Welcome back, everybody. My name is Martin Foster. You are listening to the 692nd Podcast. My guest on this episode is none other than the 480th Command Chief, Chief Master Sergeant Robert Walker. Chief, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Sergeant Foster, for uh, inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Hey, first thing I want to ask you is just <laughs> yesterday, you and I were in a meeting with the Master Chief up at the site, and he talked about split the five bucks. And that just really resonated with me. But I wanted to get your thoughts and opinion on that. Yeah, you know, I, I've never heard that before. I, you know, he was talking about, you know, in terms of him and his peers and sort of leadership and splitting the five bucks, meaning, you know, how do you split five bucks? It's got to be three and two. Somebody's going to pay three, somebody's going to pay two. But in the long run, you know, if I pick up the three this time, man, you're going to get it next time. Yeah. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, I've always looked at, that's the old, uh, you know, I pick up the tab this time, you pick it up next time. It'll even out in the long run and we just, let's just get the job done and not worry about the, uh, the dollar. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I thought that was good. It's just, that's the way it should work. Just sharing, right? Just share it. Too bad we're not doing a Facebook Live because I was going to have you try to rebrief all the stuff you learned yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday was a wonderful day with unbelievably smart airmen up at site. And, you know, day one, after getting in town pretty late the night before. Yeah, thanks for not asking me to do that. That would have been tough. That one of those things where people ask you a question and like, hey, chief, what do you think? And you just say, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> I won't admit to that, but sometimes you... uh you know, sometimes you nod and smile and say, yeah, that sounds good. Just hope it's nothing consequential. No, yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. I do have some questions, but before okay. I get into anything, I want to ask you first, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? Wow. So, you know, what's been on my heart lately is attitude. I've been thinking a lot about attitude in terms of leadership because the boss and I, you know, we're starting this trip around the wing, his last trip and a phenomenal leader, right? I, I tell people all the time, I, I always take a chance to brag on the boss. And for those listening, he's not in the room. He can't hear us right now. This is totally impromptu. He's one of the best commanders, bosses I've ever worked for. Guy that is unbelievably smart and at the same time has a passion for uh, caring for airmen like you just, don't, uh, you just don't find very often. And so, you know, as we go around his last tour through the wing before he changes out and moves on to the wonderful things in the Air Force, you know, we've got all this change going on. Newsflash, got a lot of change going on in the wing. And so... What I think about and what I see is the only thing our airmen can control is how they come to work every day because we're going to change a bunch of other stuff on them. And so that's what I've been thinking a lot about is attitude and then how you approach every day as a, whether you're an airman or a chief in this wing and in this air force, uh, that I really think that goes a long way. And I was just talking with NCOs at lunch. I had a great question from one of the NCOs and shared with them, you know, you can with them, especially because they're leading, you know, they're in a lot of since are the first sergeant for some airmen. And I said, man, it's so easy for me as I travel around the wing to see a work center or a flight that is miserable. And I can draw the line right up to whoever their leader is. And maybe a couple echelons up, but somewhere there's a leader somewhere that's miserable. And we were just sharing that. And you heard some of those comments in the, the, graduate, the NCO Academy graduation we were in as well, but it's so true. Tone and tenor and attitude really set the stage for how you're going to be able to lead people. That's great feedback and just a great, I think, just initial response. And that's typically how I opened up podcasts, at least for the, the six nine second podcast, is just asking the guests, like, what's on your mind? What's weighing on your heart? It drives me to think, yesterday you mentioned that you've been in for 24 years, right? Almost, 23. Oh, right, so 23 years, going on 24. Social media has just advanced so much. Even I've been in for 17, just mm -hmm. but over the past, I think, 10 years or so. But you coming up over the past 23 years... How important is it for leaders today to leverage social media and various platforms to connect with people? So, you know, I've gone back and forth on this topic and, and it's a topic we talk about 
as senior enlisted leaders a lot. Should you, you know, do you need to be on social media? And some people are and some people aren't. So I, I'm always cautious to say that you have to be on social media to connect. I don't think you do. I think at the end of the day, the best way to connect with people is to be where people are. Right? So that being said, in a wing like the 480th, and I've made this point a couple of times today, this wing that is spread throughout the world at six different sites, I'm not going to run into you at the shop at on Langley or you know, getting a haircut at the barbershop. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen. And so I do think it is helpful to make those connections to try to find airmen where they are. And so I started with Facebook and have tried to be out there to just put information out for people to take or not. And really lately, we've started a campaign to try to amp that up a little bit. And honestly, I've asked airmen, I've been asking a lot of airmen as I've gone around the wing, where assuming, big assumption, assuming you want to hear from me, where would you want that to be? You know, where, where would you hear from me best? And I've gotten all kinds of answers. I think we're going we're gonna to look at starting a, uh, an Instagram account because I've got a lot of people saying, you know, you should be on Instagram. I said, okay. And none of those medium reach everybody. So I think that's what's important to understand. You know, I had someone early on tell me, well, oh, chief, you know, you're not reaching airmen on Facebook. And I said, I, I get it. I'm probably not, but I'm reaching senior NCOs. Yeah. And they're, and they're with airmen every day. And so if that, if that message can resonate down, then, then I'm okay with that. So exploring Instagram and the other one I got that was really surprising to me and shouldn't have been because my kids are on it all the time is YouTube. I had, I had a couple of airmen say, oh, you need to put content on YouTube. And I thought, huh, yeah, I probably need to do that. People watch My kids watch YouTube all the time. They're making people millionaires all over the world that are doing nothing but making videos on YouTube. And so, so those are some things that are probably coming. So I, I do think it's an effective way, if done right, to get your message out to more people. And so. Again, I think the best way is to is talk to Airman face-to-face when you can. That's awesome. I appreciate something I'm hoping to do with this podcast. It's just, we can't be everywhere, but I think just try to be somewhere. There's a lot of different ways to, to go about that. I do have a, so before you came out here, I sent out an email to the entire 692nd and just asked people to submit questions. And so I, and I actually received a few responses. So I, yeah. So I just want to ask you those questions now. And like, who did you vote for? I'm joking. I didn't vote for it, but. <laughs> So Mass Sergeant Centeno from the 324th, Mass Sergeant mm-hmm. Sandy Centeno. I think she's been here for about maybe about three months. It's fairly new to the, to the 692nd, but I'm just quoting her question. Mm-hmm. As a member of the IC, I have had many conversations with junior NCOs, specifically tech sergeants, about not wanting to promote to senior NCO ranks because they want to stay operational. These are great leaders running shops and doing amazing things. But when they think about becoming a master sergeant, they fear losing their technical expertise and being an admin body. What would you tell these Intel tech sergeants who love the mission and hesitate their future in the senior NCO ranks? You know, I have a lot of thoughts on that. So, you know, first, I guess the first thing I would say is we made changes about two years ago uh, for the second or third time in my 23 year career to higher tenure. Staff sergeants can retire at 20. Tech sergeants as well can have a long career. We ask an airman to be a lot of things. And I think it's important that we think of it this way because when we talk about the enlisted core, NCOs especially, being sort of this representing this last asymmetric advantage. Uh, and I talked about it the first time I came across the wing. I just talked about what it meant, how we are different in the United States Air Force than any other Air Force in the world and why that's important. And as I go across the wing, I have an opportunity to coin people and I very frequently do. And I'll read off you know, accolades of operational stuff that they've done. And that's, that's fantastic. And, and those are usually coupled with some of that other stuff that we value as an Air Force that we've said we value, you know, being involved in your 
community. These are kind of these, this whole airman concept premise, right? That we've operated on for a long time. I think that's extremely important because I, again, I, I think it's a differentiating factor of what we ask an airman to be. So at some point in your career in the Air Force, you kind of have to make that decision whether you value those things or not. And I understand I've had a master sergeant in my office tell me promoting to master sergeant was the worst day of his career. What do you do with that? Okay, well, you, what, you want us to take the strike? Well, no. Well, okay. But there's expectations there for you to right. be a senior NCO and we need people to lead. And so I think the fact is you can stay in the Air Force and have a full career and be a technical person. You can do that. That's a choice yeah, you kind of make. But I think at the same time, we're looking to move and develop people into those higher leadership positions that are bought into what the Air Force values. And that, that's a whole airman concept that we have we believed in for a long time. It's a great response. And it kind of, I want to go down that, that rabbit hole yeah. for a second, because I think the reason why people are, are scared to promote is more than just them like losing their technical expertise. It's because what's the Spider-Man saying? Like more responsibility. With power comes more, right? right that great power thing. comes great responsibility. Right, right, yeah. So like you personally as a command chief and what's your advice to people? How do you handle the pressure when expectations continue to rise? Well, you know, people handle pressure differently. I think, so this, to, to me, this is all part of development. And so we, we should be preparing airmen from day one to move into these positions. And so I, I kind of, you know, there's a lot of times I throw some of this stuff back on people when they ask me questions, especially the NCO Corps. Well, why, well, can we, how do we do this? And how do we get up for this? And I oftentimes go, well, that, that's your job. I, I need you to do that. <laughs> you're, you're an NCO. Like that, it's your job to develop that airman. You know, we should be developing people as human beings, number one, first and foremost. If you develop great human beings, they will be great airmen. And I think we focus sometimes on developing people to positions, and that's where we fail. And so anybody out there that's thinking about that, I would say just take a step back and look at how you're developing an individual uh, and just develop them as great people. I had a, a chief mentor of mine years ago. We were talking about this very subject and we were talking about Chief Wright because we both had a chance to work with Chief Wright and you know, he's done so many great things. And, and he made that point. And he said, you know, if we just did that, if we would stop developing people to a position and develop them as human beings, Chief Wright is the outcome of that every time. Every Chief Master in the Air Force would be a mold of chief right, right? Meaning they're, they're going to be great leaders because we've developed them over time to be great leaders and to be able to handle when we put a, another stripe on your shoulder or now on your chest, that you're ready for that position. And, and ready, first, let's get off the word ready because no one's ever ready. And so we have to be careful with that. We say, well, are they ready for the position? No. Was I ready to be command chief of the 480th? Not a chance, not a chance. But you, you've been prepared and you've had mentors and you've had opportunities throughout your career to be prepared to step into those roles when asked to do so and do the best of your ability at it. And that's, that's all we're asking people to do. I love that. That's, so I have that black book on my desk and that's my book of quotes and just thoughts that I have. And one thing I have written in there is no one's ever ready for the next position or rank, but it's just whether or not you're prepared, right? So I think, and that's key. You talked about just preparing people as humans or just as human beings to be better. But I think we can agree that Society has changed a lot, just even over the past 10 years with just how people react and just the different mentality. We're seeing, I think, growing up, physical strength was probably the key thing. But now it seems like, and I think this is great, but how important is emotional strength and emotional intelligence in 2020? You know, emotional intelligence right now is, I mean, man, that's, that's kind of the buzzword everywhere. All leaders talk about emotional intelligence. And you're right, it has changed. I don't, I don't think we, not a trait we necessarily valued in the past as much as we probably do now. And some people don't like that. 
I think you have to sort of deal in, in the realm of reality, which is that you know, people are, are different. People are different. There's a great book called Sticking Points that really, I think, it, I think Hayden Shaw is the author. And he talks about leading in a working environment today where four generations all work in the environment. It's never happened before. Oh, wow. Uh, longer lifespans and things are gone. So we've got, you know, there's, there's, and this is not specific to the military, but just in the world, we have traditionalists working with baby boomers and people from my generation, whether you call us Gen Xers or Zennials, all the way down to millennials. And they're all in the same. So how do you, there's, yeah, how do you communicate across those kinds of lines where there's, we're talking very different values? But ultimately, I, I think, again, I'd kind of fall back on the fact that most people just want to be treated with dignity and respect, regardless of the generation that they came from. And if you can manage to do that, you can move and lead people. And, and first, you, you have to care. I mean, you have to care and you have to want to do that. You know, if we're talking about leading and developing people, if you don't care about them, then, then you're not going to do it anyway. See, if you mentioned about, you know, not developing people toward a position, but just toward actually being better human beings. So what are some skills and experiences that every leader should have? Every leader should, should have failed at some point. I think that's... Uh, Except PT tests, though. <laughs> well, and hey, you know, I wouldn't even say that. Look, we have folks that have failed, but you know, you, I think you have to have been willing to take some risk and had some missteps to kind of understand and, and start developing empathy for people. I think that's extremely important. So I, I'd say uh, that's one. Gosh, for me, I, I, I think just the ability to listen is super important and kind of absorb being around leaders, being willing to put yourself in positions where you're around other leaders. I think as it might've been Eisenhower that had that quote, you learn to lead by watching leaders lead, watching people make decisions. And so, and that requires some humility along the way as well, to be willing to go into a place and know that we want to go, I don't know everything. Yeah. Maybe this person has something I can learn from. And that can be someone of a, of a junior rank, right? You, you, if you're, if you're not willing to, uh, if you think you've got nothing to learn, you're a senior master sergeant. If you think there's no master sergeant in your squadron that can teach you anything, then you've kind of lost that battle already. And that takes humility. You got to push your ego to the side. So there's a couple of things. I want to backtrack a little bit more. Yesterday, you, had, uh, you and Colonel Pearson both had an all call and you kind of briefly talked about it. Something that stuck out to me was you talked about tier mentorship. So can you expand on that, please? Yeah. You know, I, we swing the pendulum a lot in the Air Force from left to right, you know, and seldom do we kind of land in the middle when we make decisions or try to course correct things that we think are going wrong. And I, I think for a while, several years ago, we, we felt this need that we, we needed to correct the junior ranks, whatever, call that whatever you want. What that ended up being was a lot of senior leaders sort of going direct to airmen. And there's goodness there. Let me be clear. There's goodness there. And I say something, I love talking to airmen, but when people talk about, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of the frozen middle, lots of people have different definitions of ideas of what they think the frozen middle is. I, I think it was maybe a, a little overused, but certainly there was the effect of that that a lot of us saw was a tier of folks who, who never really had the chance to lead and to fail and to learn from those things because we, we in the senior listed ranks sort of took it from them because we, we kind of went down and said, it, let us fix this. So when I talk about tiered mentorship, I've not hidden the fact that when I go out to these site visits, if an airman says, man, who did Chief Walker spend the most time with? I want them to say senior NCOs. He was with senior NCOs most. If that's five minutes more than everybody else, then it is what it is because they move us around all over the place. But I think it's important that I develop the rest of the chiefs in the wing. That's my charge, right? As a command chief. And that we as chiefs help develop seniors and master sergeants and give you the tools you need to develop tech sergeants and staff sergeants. 
So they have the tools they need. You see, it's a very simple line to follow. Airmen should be going to their first sergeant, not two or three echelons. Right. And so I, I think it's a tricky thing, right? Because when you say that, you know, there, there's a tendency to, I would never want anybody to, to think, well, I can't, you know, I couldn't go to Chief Walker. I couldn't go to Master Sergeant Walker as the flight chief. Sure, you can, absolutely. And there's times that are called that, that you need to do that. But I think the tiered mentorship, a, a focus on tiered mentorship allows us to push back and push down some of the leadership and decision-making that needs to be pushed back down to the lowest level. That's awesome. That's good. What do you think? Yeah, that's good. You're in a great position. You get to learn a lot and just learn from him. Yeah. I should do a separate podcast with you. Just all, get your... You should do an exec with. podcast. It'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say How any was names, a year but, with... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if you said, I, I can't stand my... Bo- no names, but I no can't... No names, yeah. but now I don't want to be specific. Is yeah. This- yeah. <laughs> After Scott. <laughs> Chief, I want to switch gears on a little bit lighter note. When you think of a, and this is a, like a question I have written down. When you think of a movie image that depicts leadership, who or what comes to mind? Michael Scott, The Office. God, I love it. You want people to fear how much they love you? I do. I want people to fear how much they love me. That is, that's one of the great quotes. No, you know, I'm a huge fan of The Office. I think so many people are. And, um, I am too. Like I have a, he's endearing. He's the worst. He's just the worst, but the best in so many ways. I just going to, has Colonel Pierce never like walked out of his office and said, I declare, I declare bankruptcy. Hey, no, I declare transformation. <laughs> Boss, that's not how it works. No. Yeah. That would, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind for me, the office. I think there's so many lessons to learn there. And most of them are how not to do things. I get it, but they're funny. You talk about a guy who just loved his people. Yeah. And that's what, it's what he did. That's a fantastic show. There actually are a lot of great leadership lessons to be learned from that show. I want to get to know Chief Walker a little bit more. Okay. What are you world-class at that people might not know? And I'll tell you what Chief Trish is world-class at after your answer. Or do you want to know ahead of time? I want to know ahead of time. He's a fantastic celebrity impressionist. I don't buy that. He does a Sam Jackson impression. So I had him on this podcast probably about a month and a half ago. Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah. That's, a, that's yelling. That's basically yelling. But he does it. Okay, with I such, want to get him to do it. Um, um, I, I have him do it tonight, right? Like, or, but like he does, and Colonel Matt kind of sort of did one. Yeah. Sam Jackson. That was funny too because it was unexpected, right? Like, but he was just caught up in the moment. And it was, uh, I've known Warren for a long time. I did not know he did celebrity impressions. What am I world class at? Good grief. Besides um, podcasting, besides I'm very good at and office closing. You know, so world can we are we air quoting world class and can we can we get a can you take a picture from air quoting? But yeah, like I'm looking, looking at you me. Mean, give me it's air quoting world. I do post pictures uh, for each episode. World class. I'm getting the picture now. So you know, I have some musical talents that I don't always share with the wings. I don't have that many opportunities to do. But I, I grew up in a musical family, so I do sing and play bass, and I've I've done that for a long time. That's why I say world classes. But I did grow up in a musical family and I absolutely love music. I've pushed all my kids into music and I use the word pushed. It's non-negotiable. They will, uh, they will learn how to play piano and read music and, and kind of go down that hole. And so, so that, you know, that's maybe a, a hidden talent that a lot of people don't know. Gosh, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. You put me on. So I have to think about that one for a minute. We can come back to it. Let's come back to that. And in the meantime, what's your go-to karaoke song? Piano Man, Billy Joel. That's good. Which is also another great office quote I'm thinking about. My top, top 10 Billy Joel songs, right? And, and, he, and he plays, um, and none of them are Billy Joel. It's all, oh, it's all that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are some of my top Billy Joel songs. Oh, man. Out of my dreams into my car. What? Yeah. yeah, Piano Man, I'd say that's probably one of the, you know, 
people try to stretch too much on karaoke. They go yeah. for the journeys and the you know, things. It's, it's just that's. I have to walk out every time I hear someone sing Journey. Oh, it's awful. It, it's it, awful. It, it's just so done. It's 100% going to be awful. Yeah. And so stick to something you can actually sing. Something or when people cool. sing Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. And it's like, that's too much. You have to have good cardio for that one. You, like, you do. Yeah, like endurance. Yeah. And we're songs for like Agreed. seven minutes. It's like, come on now. That's um, a good question. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Like I've been, I was trying to rack my brain. Think of something. <laughs> now Brett asked me, what questions are you going to ask? I'm like, and I joked around, like, I'm going to ask him who he voted for. Like, how much money do you make? No, yeah, <laughs> like, that's public knowledge. You yeah, can all no, see that. But I just, I try to Not get enough. No. You know, keep everything positive. And I like to just ask organic questions just to get the, the, yeah. the genuine responses. So I'm a firm believer that education happens more outside. It's more than just what happens inside of a classroom. It's just do life experience, you know, work experience, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, reading. So I'm an avid reader. What two to three books do you recommend to people? Boy, there's so many. I just finished a book called Getting to Us by Seth Davis. That was really good. Sort of more sports related, but... That's about, is he the basketball? Yeah, he was basketball. So he takes about eight different coaches, not all basketball, different, and, and just kind of walks through how they get to us, how they use their strengths to, to rally teams, essentially. Fantastic and great storytelling. That's a good book. I'll have to check that I'm one gonna, out. But I want to try to... So... We have a tendency to always go to leadership books. I try to pop around. I'm going to tell you a very obscure one that I have pulled out. And that's out. why I said two or three books. I made sure not to say leadership books. I yeah, yeah. That. I like that because your head instantly goes to that. I am a huge baseball fan. So this is not a leadership book. This was a developmental baseball book that as I have read it has become one of the best leadership books I have ever read. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's an older book. It's called The Mental Game of Baseball. Okay. Written by an old Minnesota Twins coach, Dorfman. And really, I said it was designed to get people who wanted to play baseball to start thinking about the, the mental aspect of it, preparing yourself. And I, so much in there that I go, man, that is exactly how we need to, to look at the things we do. Attitude, preparation, desires, goals, how we do goal setting and things like that. Fantastic book. So that's one. I think I'll stay along the sports theme for one. There's a, the best autobiography I've ever read was Andre Agassi's Open. Yeah. One of the best. And you may say, I'm not a tennis guy. It does not matter. Read that book. So I'll throw this one out there to you. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. When I first Harry saw you yesterday, I was like, that guy looks like a Harry Potter yeah, fan. Harry Potter fan, doesn't you? Yeah. So that's just go that genre. I think those are great books. Listen, they're teaching Harry Potter in colleges as part of, oh yeah, they're literature courses, university level literature courses on Harry Potter. I've never seen, I've never seen Harry Potter, nor have I read any of their books. Oh man. They're just phenomenally written. Just what, a, what an amazing story in seven books. That was our holiday party theme was Harry Potter. Was it? Yeah. Man, I didn't get an invite to that. Yeah. I can geek out. Listen, I can geek out. Uh, let me think of one more. Okay. Let me do a tradition as sort of one that I thought of today. And in fact, I made a note today when I was talking to that when one of the groups was talking about team dynamics. I love recommending this book because the title is awful and it would be a title that you would never want to read, but it's a fantastic read. And it's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, right? snoozer right yeah it's not it's written in this sort of fictional way it's a short book lynchoni dr lynchoni is the author of that but it man for folks who are mid-level to senior level who are trying to build a team of people to get after something like i don't know analysis and exploitation team let's say <laughs> hypothetically <laughs> hypothetically um, hey, that's hypothetically. my <laughs> this book really breaks down some key factors in what you've got to have if you're going to have a successful team to rally around anything. So that, that's a good one. So there's a few. I could list books for a long time. Power of Moments is another one I think most people should read. I wasn't ready for all this. Like that's, 
usually people struggle to come up with two. Really? Yeah. And it's always like a leadership. When I say that question or ask that question, it's always leadership book X. Yeah. So my mind went there and I was, I was like, stop, stop for a second. Think about this. Cause that when you say, we're talking about baseball, I thought you were going to talk about some huge baseball fan as well. Yeah. And I thought you were going to say the Moneyball book. And, oh, that, that's a great one. And too. it's one of my favorite books no, of all that's time. A great book. I'm, I'm, I love analytics and just that whole, that data driven thing. And, oh yeah. Right. And even as a military, I think like we're getting more towards like data driven with some of the, just automation and everything. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. I'll also tell you data is, uh, is, is the national treasure should be our national treasure. Actually, he said that yesterday. I think, yep. yeah, I don't know. I'll call yeah, and he, he wholeheartedly believes it. I think uh, as most of us do, especially that are in this line of work. So yeah, there's some books for you. All right. I got a couple of last questions for you. And this one just popped in my head, but I, just, <laughs> I like where you're going with this, with the books. If a movie is being made about your life, what would the name of that movie be? About my life? Yeah. And it could be a current, like a movie that's already you know been named, the current movie title, old movie oh, title. Oh man, that's such a great question. I got to think about that one. <laughs> How about Michael Scarn? Michael Scarn. No, man. Catch me if you can. That's a fantastic movie. Have you seen that movie? It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. I don't know why that one popped into my head. Because you're always flying. Is that, yeah. No, I think it's just, I have, I've joked with people that I, you know, kind of kid that I've always struggled keeping a, keeping a job. And I don't, I don't mean, I, I just mean that I, I was sort of always looking for something else. What, what's the next thing yeah. that, that I could do? What's an opportunity I, I don't know about? And I kind of love challenging the statistics. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a good answer or not. That's or good. If that, if that it's answer would me in trouble, but it did. I don't know. I don't know why that one popped in my head. No, it's good. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just, like, we'll just say catch and then like yeah. bleep out the rest. <laughs> Wrapping up, Chief. What do you think about podcasting as a form of mentorship and ability to connect with people? I love it. So I've done, I don't know, three of these now or four. And so in fact, when I, when we were talking about social media, this one didn't come up, but I have had several people just say, yeah, and that's where I think they're talking about YouTube. They're like podcasting, do podcasting. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, it's so many people now. We talk about how we get information. I, that's, I don't know where that is on the list, but it's definitely climbing. People are listening to podcasts. So that's some of the, obviously I'm an avid podcaster. And in addition to this, I have my own separate podcast. But it's a secondary activity, right? Even though this is audio only, we live in a society where people want to watch 30 second videos mm-hmm. or, and that's it. Move on to the next thing with podcasting. It's a secondary activity. Listen to while you're running, working out, doing laundry, cooking, whatever, driving to work. So the numbers are only growing. And I've, I've seen it just blow up in terms of popularity over the past five years where every celebrity, every athlete, oh, yeah. everyone in some type of position leadership position it seems like has a podcast yeah they all they all have i mean chief right now has started his own his own so he did my leadership personal podcast podcast two years ago in april of 2018 or yeah april of 2018 he did my personal podcast and offline i said hey have you thought about i asked him during the podcast have you started about doing one at that time he was thinking about yeah yeah you know and it's cool to see that come to fruition when he was talking about it just as as an idea a couple years ago and no, I, I do. I think it's a great medium because people are going to listen. And man, you know, I don't know. We've been in here talking for however long. And if somebody listens and just gets one one thing out of it, then it was worth it. I expect people to remember everything. Speaking of that, what's, what's a big highway in, around Langley? I want to take something you just said and it just made me think of a question. A big highway? Yeah, or just a big like, yeah. I-64. I- I-64. So, and you can answer this too if you want. All right. But I-64, if there's a billboard, of Trey or <laughs> Trey Walker and just that those pearly whites. Yeah. So on I-64, there's a giant billboard for everyone to see during rush hour. What, and it had a message. What would you want that message to say for everyone to see? 
It would say Chief Walker, Comanche for the 480th ISR wing, luckiest guy in the world. That sounds like a 2020 politician. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I do. You know, Chief Lifer told me when I took this job, we were doing some turnover because there was a two month gap between us. And she said, Trey, you've, you're, taking the, you're taking the best job in the Air Force. Now, she's going to, you know, she was moving up to the 16th where I would fall under her. And we, we kind of joked about that. And, and I've told her since, and I said, you're right. It is, it is, man, it, it is the best job just because of the dynamics of this wing. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I, I'm, I'm, that sounds corny, but I, I think I'm, I'm genuine. I really am genuine in that, in that sentiment. And I shared that my first time through the wing that not in a million years would Airman Walker or Tech Sergeant Walker or even Master Sergeant or probably Senior Master Sergeant Walker believe that, that he would be the command chief of a wing like this. And so I was blessed. I was fortunate with opportunities that were provided to me that I, I was able to, to do some, some neat things and, and end up where I am. And so I really, I, I really do mean when I, when I would tell people that I'm playing with house money in this job, I really, I take that to heart. It's, uh, it, it's just a, what a great opportunity to, to lead and see some of our nation's brightest do ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. The things our airmen do. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And most people never get to see it. They'll never know. A lot of their parents will never know. I kid them all the time. Do you, these, uh, you know, they, they just don't know. And, and that's the nature of our business, but it's fantastic to be on this side of it right now and, and just enjoying the ride. Actually, one last question. I want to, was there, you're so genuinely and sincerely happy as a command chief. And I just met you yesterday, but just to positive vibes and, you know, just being around you over the past 48 hours or so. But was there ever a point in your career where you're kind of like maybe salty or bitter? And then it was, and if so, was there like a certain moment or a spotlight in time that kind of like clicked and it just was a turning point in your career? I, there's probably been a few of them when I, when I really sit and think about it. I always, there was certainly a time where I, when I tell people, I look back and, and I kind of look at that point. I think that most of us get to where you, uh, where you entered the Air Force and when you actually joined the Air Force. And so that was one of them. But no, you know, I was never, I don't know that I was ever really salty. I had some humbling moments. I've shared with people, uh, the story's probably too long for the podcast, but I, I'll happily share my, uh, my OTS experience. It was one of the most humbling moments of my life. The short of it is I had to walk in with the commander to notify a staff sergeant that worked for me as a tech sergeant that she was going to go to OTS and, and I was not getting picked up. That was, that was a tough pill to swallow. And there's some other dynamics of that, but, um, and this was the time period where I was really trying to find something to do. I was a calm guy. I, I, I was, you know, I was looking for, for that next thing. And I thought for sure it was, it was become an officer. That was it. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And that's okay because it worked out for me. Yeah. And I have the best job in the world now. Yeah. <laughs> Later on in another podcast, you'll have to share that story. That's be prepared to next time. I will. I will. I love I sharing that story. I absolutely love sharing that story. It, shaped a lot of things for me and, and, uh, and started the dominoes falling and putting me to, uh, to where I am now, to be honest. Just wrapping up, Chief, is there anything else on your mind or what'd you think about overall this experience, the podcast? I love the podcast. I love that we got a few groups doing this. I think more and more will. I think it's just a fantastic way to reach people. You know, what's on my mind is, you know, I, I try every day to make sure that, that we're doing, doing something to help airmen in this wing. That can be hard sometimes because of, because of how geographically challenged we are, but, and we have extraordinary leaders in this wing getting after some really tough problems, both with people and with the things we ask people to do. And so, no, man, I literally, I feel like I'm lucky every day I come, I come to work and get to do this job and I'll do it to the best of my ability as long as the Air Force asks me to do it. And 
So that's, that's kind of where I am right now. That's awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this episode of the Six Nine Second Podcast. Chief Walker, thank you so much for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule for just giving me the time and doing this interview, this podcast, and just sharing your thoughts, your vision, and just being relatable. So just, yeah, thanks for this mentorship. And yeah, just, I'm, I'm, seriously, I'm seriously grateful. All right, everyone, if you want to help support, just like and share this Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. <laughs> just like and share this Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. You can also find this podcast on Overcast, Spotify, and any other podcasting platform. All right, everyone, take care.